Welcome to the Clean and Filthy Podcast, where we are clean and serene with a filthy mind in between. My name is Matthew M. I am your host, and I am an addict in recovery. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 26. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Before we go anywhere, I have to give the biggest shout out and the biggest thank you to every single one of our listeners, our viewers, our supporters, because this podcast, as of last week, has officially cracked quadruple digits, y'all. And I know for some people out there, other podcasts, quadruple digits is like, yeah, whatever, we get that every week. Yeah, well, well, this, this podcast, that's a big deal. We, as of air we have officially been downloaded 1013 times with an additional almost 1300 views on youtube so i say from the bottom of my heart thank you so so much it's crazy where where we were six months ago six months ago this entire process was starting and there was so much fear and there was so much failure, the fear of failure and terror and needing to just say, help me. And everybody out there has come together to help support this podcast. And it is one of the greatest feelings I've, I've felt. One of my greatest joys is being able to, to, to do this podcast and help people. And Sometimes there's little things that happen that really make me feel like something's working and hitting quadruple digits is one of them, y'all. I'm telling you, like seeing that, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I got goosebumps. I'm so excited. So excited. So thank you all so much. I, I couldn't have done it without y'all. Um, truly, this is one of the most gratifying feelings that I've had in my life, especially for anything regarding recovery, because this shows that this podcast and this product are is getting out there and potentially helping others. And that is what we are trying to do. So I had to get that out of the way first and foremost, because I was so excited. I, I literally wanted to do a surprise episode just to say thank you to everybody. Um, hopefully you follow me on social media. So you got the thank you that I put out there earlier in the week, but um, huge, huge thank you to everybody so, 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 so much. I hope everybody had a wonderful week. I hope everybody's staying healthy, safe, with the numbers going back up and things getting crazy again. 
Um, we're going to get into some of that in my favorite moment of the week. But I'm just I'm so thankful that that we're here, that you guys are here with me. And uh, I love you all. So before we get any further, we got to give a huge thank you to our episode sponsor, etc. by Emily. If you are looking for a job or if you need event or party staffing for your event or party, head on over to our website. All of the information is listed in the uh, description below. If you do end up going over and getting a job, make sure to mention that you heard about them from Matthew M. on the Clean and Filthy podcast so they know that their sponsorship is working. Also, I have to give a huge thank you to our theme music for the Clean and Filthy podcast. It's anything by Valentino Khan, Alice in Wonderland. Huge shout out to Mad Decent Records for giving us the privilege of using that song and me the privilege of getting to hear it at least twice a day, every single Tuesday. Shout out to them. Also, huge thank you to our VIP supporters. These are the people who are supporting this podcast through Patreon. If you would like to become a supporting member, best thing to do, head to the website, www.cleanandfilthypodcast.com. Top right corner, all of our social media links. Make sure you are liked and subscribed to each and every one of them. But on the far right side is our Patreon link. And you can head over there. You can make a donation to this podcast. And if you do you will get one of these awesome Clean and Filthy podcast stickers to display wherever you like. And you'll get a shout-out on air like these wonderful people who are helping support this podcast. And they are Alex B, Sage A, Cindy, Stephanie, Shar, Liana, Clint, and Alex T. Thank you all for your continued support. So very much appreciated. The the support that I've been able to receive through Patreon has helped this podcast grow in technology, um, grow in advertising, and all of those things tie together to be able to carry our message out to the masses. So thank you all so much. What's up, everybody? If you're on the chat right now on YouTube, checking out the live stream, what up? Let's get that chat popping. For anybody who's listening on a podcast directory and doesn't know, we do live episodes every single Tuesday at 5 p.m. Arizona time, live on YouTube.com. So if you're listening right now on a podcast directory and you want to check out the live stream, head on over there. Make sure to follow us on all social media links and make sure to be subscribed on YouTube so you get a notification as soon as we go live and you can partake in the group chat. If you're on the group chat right now, what up, y'all? Thank you for being here. Thank you for the YouTube views. I love it. I appreciate it. And if you really want to help this podcast grow, make sure to download this episode wherever you consume your podcast from. Even if you listen to the whole thing on YouTube, if you don't mind, head on over to any of the podcast directories because we're listed on all of them. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, all of them. We are up there. And so please make sure to throw us a download. It really helps our numbers. That's what really helps us grow. Our YouTube views are great, but with how things are on YouTube and the algorithms, you have to get tens of thousands of views to really make any, any headway into being publicized or, or put, you know pushed on YouTube. So the best way we can grow is through all of the downloads on podcast directories. And while you're there on a podcast directory, please make sure to throw us a rating. If you like what you hear, I like, you know, I like five-star ratings, but I like honest ratings because this is an honest program. 
So if you hear something that you like, please make sure to rate it. Please make sure to share it to anybody and everybody that you possibly can. If you feel they might get something out of this podcast, they might hear something they like, please make sure to share it. That is how we grow, and that's how we've gotten to quadruple digit downloads. So again, I'm going to probably say thank you about 400 times during this episode, so I apologize in advance, but thank you all so much. Um, so so much it was one of those things in my mind of like yeah that'd be really cool to hit quadruple digits but not really thinking of when or how it would happen um but it did six months in and ah i'm so so grateful thank you so much so before we get into our first segment we need to talk about what we are what we do what we don't do again my name is matthew m i am an addict in recovery and this is the Clean and Filthy Podcast. We are a weekly podcast focused on 12-step recovery. We talk about the things that us addicts in recovery go through on a daily basis, how we use the 12-step model to grow as people, how we become better human beings and leave the world a better place. But as I always say, the beautiful thing about recovery is that it's not just about taking the drugs away. So if you're here right now and maybe you aren't an addict in recovery, stick around. Maybe you'll hear something you like. And if you do, as I said, please make sure to share. But I want to make sure to stay in line with the tradition so I will not be speaking from a point of authority for any one specific fellowship. I will not be speaking in regards to what my personal home group is or what my personal fellowship of choice is or I won't be giving recommendations about treatment centers or sober livings or recovery residences or how to get a sponsor in this fellowship or anything of that nature because I do want to make sure that we are as inclusive as possible within a unified front of recovery, not regarding one specific fellowship or another. But... If you have any questions for things and topics that we do not personally cover on air, please reach out to me and I would be more than happy to give you whatever guidance or help I possibly can. Easiest way to get a hold of me, you can email me at Matthew at cleanandfilthypodcast.com or head over to the website. As I said, check out any of the social media links and you will easily get in touch with me. We're on all social media links and I check them religiously. So that's what we do. That's what we don't do. I want to make sure to mention that, you know, this is a, a supposed to be an adjunct to whatever you're doing within your personal recovery. Or if you're not in recovery, a, a stop on the journey to learn more about recovery. Maybe you have questions about the disease of addiction. Maybe you have questions about what life is like for addicts in recovery. This is supposed to be an opportunity for that to cultivate a community, a safe, empathetic group, as we're going to talk about a little bit later in our first segment here, of knowledge, of trying to, to shed light and become a beacon of hope within recovery to show that recovery is possible. So if you have questions, make sure to ask them. Stick around. Maybe you'll hear something you like. And if you do, please share. So again... If you're an addict in recovery, welcome. You're exactly where you should be. If you're an addict who's not in recovery, welcome. Hopefully you hear something you like and maybe it will help get you into recovery. If you're somebody who has no contact directly with the disease of addiction, welcome. Because there's always stuff that we can gain from this 12 steps, from the traditions, from these spiritual principles that we develop within the 12 step model to help become better human beings and help more people. So 
Whoever you are, thank you for being here. Welcome. If you're somebody that just got spammed on, on, on Twitter, anytime I see somebody post need podcast recommendations, whoo, Queen and Filthy Podcast is getting up in there. So if you're one of those people, hopefully you hear something you like. Thank you very much for the download. And uh, yeah, so that's what we got for our little intro there. I'm super hyped. It's been a great week. We got a lot to talk about today. Of course, we're going to be starting it off with our recovery and development segment. We're going to be talking about my favorite moment of the week. We're going to be answering more questions in our Ask an Addict segment. And I'm telling you right now, we have so many clean time shout outs today. Like, I'm going to need to go and like procure a military amount of of munitions because we given so many books today. It's ridiculous. Like it's, it's nuts. So that's what we do. That's what we don't do. That's where to find us. That's when we record. Let's get into it, y'all with our first segments. Let's head to the lab for some R and D recovery and development. That's right, y'all. We are in our first segment. We're live in the lab. I think in my future of streaming, we're going to make a little laboratory background to put up there. Anybody who's watching on YouTube right now, um, you get to see the live stream. You get to see my virtual background. I think we might need to change that up. We might need to bust out some props. Maybe I'll put on some goggles and like a lab coat. I don't know. Also, anybody who is watching on the live stream right now, this shirt is not pink. It is salmon. And also, I got my hair cut. Benefits of not being in COVID protocol anymore. Yeah, feeling much more human. And I got some sleep. We'll talk about all that in my favorite moment of the week. So, what do we do in this segment? This is recovery and development. This is the part of the show where we take a different step, tradition, spiritual principle, concept, or just another general topic that those of us in recovery work through. This is all based off of the 12-step recovery model. So we're going to be talking a lot about recovery here. But like I just previously said, the beautiful thing about recovery, it's not just about the use of drugs. In fact, the use of drugs is simply a symptom of the things that go on within me. And the things I have learned by being in recovery, by working the 12 steps, have been able to impact elements of my life that have absolutely nothing to do with drug use. So check it out. You might hear something you like. And of course, please go ahead and share it if you do. So as we did with the first 24 episodes working through the 12 steps and the 12 traditions, we then came to a new topic. And we are going into the literature. Last week, we went through chapter one. Again, I'm not going to say what the name of the book is because I don't want to identify with any one specific fellowship or another, but I will say it's our most basic piece of literature. So last week we went through chapter one of who is an addict and today we are on chapter two. I want to make sure to read the title of the chapter correctly so you will hear a beep, a little sensor beep like instead of the name of the fellowship, because I really do want to stay in line with the tradition. So if you hear that sound, do not be alarmed. It is supposed to be there. So what is the title of chapter two, you might ask? It says, the title is, what is the program? All right. What is the program? Obviously, we already talked about this last week. I probably should have done these 
chapters before I went into the steps and traditions, I kind of jumped ahead of some prerequisites when I first started developing this podcast. And rather than I, I kind of went from a perspective that, oh, people know know what the program is. They know what an addict is. Cool. Let's just jump into the steps and then the traditions. Yeah. OK, I get it. I kind of fucked up. It happens. I'm learning. I'm human. I've worked the seventh step. So I get that. But I want to make sure to, to give the foundation and the basis. That's why last week we talked about the question of who is an addict. Because for some people out there, they might not realize that they are an addict. So this week, we're going into the program. And what is the program? As we talked about the importance of prior, we got to talk about what these spiritual principles are first and foremost. And within this chapter, these are the spiritual principles that really directly impacted me when I was going through this. And they are the spiritual principles of unity, of fellowship. Obviously, it's, you know, unconditional love, trust, goodwill, hope, open-mindedness, and generosity. So I want to start off with a quote. Again, I want to censor it, but it says, is a nonprofit fellowship or society of men and women for whom drugs have become a major problem. We are recovering addicts who meet regularly to help each other stay clean. Close quote. Again, we talked about it last week when all of this was first written. There was not anywhere near the discussion of non-binary in terms of sexual identity. So please realize that when it says men and women, it is not being exclusive, exclusive, exclusionary, exclusionary. Yeah. It's not being exclusionary. This is just literature that was written a very long time ago. And I believe personally that at some point, some things will change within that. It should just be, we are, you know, society of human beings for whom drugs have become a major problem. Again, just this addict's two cents. Not sure what they're worth, but it's my two cents. So I just want to make sure that's out there before anybody's like, hey, that's not inclusive. That's the reasoning. So I want to give some basics of what the program is. Because there are some people out there who maybe have no idea what the 12-step recovery program really is. And so first and foremost, it is a 12-step recovery model. It is a spiritual, not religious program. And this program that I'm speaking of was specifically adapted from another program that was more drug specific. The program I'm speaking about focuses on the disease of addiction rather than a specific substance. Not saying one is better than the other, not saying that one is right, one is wrong, just giving background as to what has personally worked for me. So the, the beautiful thing of watching the growth of our history within this program is that in 1978, there were less than 200 groups in three countries. And in 2018, 40 years later, which 40 years really ain't that long, y'all. There are now 70,000 meetings every single week in 144 countries. Like that type of growth is ridiculous. It's, it's incredible for somebody like me. And for me, that's additional proof that this program of recovery that I am a member of truly works. It truly works to have that kind of growth 
and to be able to help that many people, it's, it's incredible. So before we go any further, I want to look at, we got to talk about what is a fellowship. It says fellowship or society, right? All right. So what is a fellowship? I mean, what is a fellowship? Let's, let's get some dictionary answers here for us. So the fellowship is a friendly association, especially with people who share one's interest. Another definition was the quality or state of being comrad- comradely. Comradely? I can't say that word, y'all. Oh, my goodness. That's just. Help me. Yes. Next one says fellowship is a feeling of friendship that people have when they are talking or doing something together and sharing their experience. Mind you, these are all definitions of the word fellowship, not from a recovery perspective, but it's interesting the words of experience because we talk about experience, strength, and hope so often. So we're going to talk about that a little bit further. So how is this program? How is it a fellowship? Well, the first thing that it said in there was a shared interest, right? Our shared interest is our recovery from the disease of addiction. Another word you hear in there is experience and that sharing our collective experience, strength, and hope. And then it also mentioned friendship, right? So the friendships that we have together with others who are learning to live without drugs. There's a feeling of belonging. There's a feeling of belonging and a feeling of unity because we are unified within this fellowship by a common goal, by a common First off, a a common factor of the disease of addiction, but then a common goal of being able to recover from the disease of addiction. And I could say, you know, I can walk into a meeting anywhere in the world and I can feel like I belong. I can feel comfortable because I'm with other people that are like myself, that are no better, that are no worse that are just human beings recovering from the disease of addiction, just like myself. And that feeling of belonging for somebody like me really carries a lot of weight. And it's interesting because and I've, I've shared this before in my, in my prior to active addiction life, I was involved in a lot of things. I was involved in sports. I was involved in music. I had a lot of friends, but now in recovery, I feel Like I truly belong and I truly am the human being I was meant to be. And I'm sure for some people out there, especially normies, you know, people who aren't addicts, who aren't too familiar with the disease of addiction, that might sound really weird. Like you went through all these great things in life, but you feel most yourself with a group of drug addicts. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Because I know that these people are just like me. And I know that we all have this common goal and we all are working towards something. We all have a a desire to get one more day clean. So when I walk into, well, when when I zoom into a meeting that's being held in another country, in another language, where I don't understand any of the words that are being said, I still feel like I belong. I still feel like I belong because I'm an addict just like they're an addict. And they might be speaking another language. They might be a different religion. They might have different cultural background than myself. But I belong 
because I'm an addict. I have the same feeling of empathy for them that they have for me without language involved. I went to a meeting one time in, in Idaho. And we talked about this on the show before where I didn't know anybody. One person I was there with, that's it. And immediately I walked in and felt at home. Meeting was run a little different. The people were a little different. The, the way, the, the things they said, the format was a little different, but we were all the same. It says in the literature, after coming to the fellowship, we found ourselves among a very special group of people who have suffered like us and found recovery. Because that suffering is something that all addicts have felt. And maybe it wasn't as bad as some people's. Maybe it wasn't as deep as some people's suffering. But every single addict has felt some level of suffering. Whether you were the absolute, you know, no issues at all, super rich addict, or you were the addict who was living on the street, panhandling to get dope, we all have suffered. But coming into the program and seeing like-minded people all unified, all recovering from the same thing that we are, that leads to hope. To walk into a room with no time, withdrawing, feeling like shit, and seeing people happy and laughing, that's hope. It might be annoying at first, especially if you're feeling like shit and you're seeing all these people all happy. That might be annoying at first, but we keep coming back, and that turns into hope. We see that because then we look at it like, if they're doing it, why can't I? It says in the literature, if the program worked for them, it could work for us. And of course, a lot of us, like myself, when we first come into the program, we want to find those differences. We want to find those reasons why I'm different than that addict or why this addict wasn't as bad as me. But once we finally work through those things and we stop looking for those differences and start accepting the similarities, we can start to see that, wow, this program has worked for that addict and that addict and that addict and that addict and that and that and that and this room full of addicts. Why couldn't it work for me? It could. And I can tell you that it can. It says in the literature, our program is a set of principles written so simply that we can follow them in our daily lives. You'll hear it a lot in, in recovery, that the program is a very simple program. I'm not saying it's easy, but it is very simple. We simply look at what has worked for countless other addicts before us and work our recovery based on that. I'm not doing anything different within my three and a half years in recovery than any other addicts before me. I go to meetings. I have a home group. I have a sponsor. I work steps and I'm of service. Those are the five suggestions that were suggested to me at one of my very first meetings when I was still in treatment, rolling in the druggie bus to that meeting. And those are the same five suggestions that I implement in my life today. Those are the same five suggestions that I told sponsees or newer members. And I've heard other members tell other members. Why? Because it works. 
Because it is at the most simple level how this program works. We don't have to complicate it with other steps or other requirements. I do those five things and it'll work for me like it has worked for so many others. It says in the literature, the fellowship has many years of experience with literally hundreds of thousands of addicts. This firsthand experience in all phases of illness and recovery is of unparalleled therapeutic value. We say it a lot. The therapeutic value of one addict helping another is without parallel. And I know for me personally, this is the truth. This is the key to why I'm clean today. This is the key to why I am in a program of recovery. Because I could never stop using. I tried so many different ways. Even before I admitted that I had a problem or that I was an addict or that I had a, maybe had the disease of addiction, well before any of those things that we talked about last week in episode 25 of the Clean and Filthy podcast, which if you haven't checked it out, please head over and download it and check it out. But before any of those things happened, before any of those things happened, I tried to stop using. The only thing that has ever worked for this addict and for thousands of other addicts was this program. And I'm not, when I say this program, I don't just mean this program. I mean a 12-step program of recovery. I can only speak about my experience within the 12-step program that I personally go to. Because I was never able to stop until I was able to sit down in a room full of other addicts recovering from the same issues that I was, going through the same things that I did. And I tried simply going to outside help. I had a therapist. I didn't stop using. I tried switching drugs. I didn't stop using. I tried switching locations, people, places, things. I tried all of those. And nothing worked until the therapeutic value of one addict helping another. And just for today, I'm sitting here with three and a half years clean because of that. Because when I, when I learned from this therapeutic value of one addict helping another, I learned about spiritual principles. And we talked about this last week of how lacking I was in spiritual principles, especially towards the end of my active addiction. The concept of a spiritual principle was so foreign. I was strictly living in defect. And once I learned these spiritual principles, I started seeing ways and means and opportunities to implement them in my life instead of living in those defects. Because I came into this program and had that therapeutic value of one addict helping another, I got a sponsor and I started working steps. And within working the steps, I was able to implement the inherent spiritual principles within them. It says in the literature that the 12 steps are positive tools that make our recovery possible. And again, this is my experience, strength, and hope, as is for thousands of other addicts. There might be people out there who are like, I didn't do the 12-step route, and look, I don't use drugs anymore. Fine. If that's your story, that's cool. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying I'm right. All I can do is share what has worked for me. And the only thing that has worked for me is the 12-step model. By working the 12 steps. And as it says, they made my recovery possible. And then even within the rooms in the program, I learned about how to be of service. 
how to stop looking at my own selfish wants and needs. I looked at what I could do to help others from an altruistic per, from an altruistic perspective, not trying to get something from somebody, not trying to finesse a couple extra grams, not trying to finesse a bag, nothing like that. Selflessly looking to be of service. What is that? That's not what addicts do. Addicts don't look at how to be helpful without benefiting themselves. We talk about it. The core of our disease is obsession, compulsion, and complete self-centeredness. If it's complete self-centeredness, how the fuck can I be selfless? It doesn't happen. But becoming a member of the program allows that to become a thing. I also want to talk about where it says nonprofit. It says up in above, nonprofit society of men and women. All right. It says in the literature, we are a nonprofit society and have no dues or fees of any kind. Each of us has paid the price of membership. We have paid for the right to recover with our pain. Regardless of what that pain is, we all as addicts have gone through that pain and whatever that amount of pain is, that was our price of admission. That was our price for membership. There's no fees or dues. We are self-supporting financially, but that doesn't mean that any member has to pay. I've heard that before. I don't have money to put in the basket. I can't go to a meeting. Bullshit. Bull motherfucking shit. Never is it required for somebody to make a donation to the meeting. If you can, you do. If you can't, you don't. And that's okay. So using that as a, as a reasoning is bullshit. It also says in the literature, no initiation fees, no pledges to sign, no promises to make to anyone. Anyone is able to become a member. There's no financial re responsibility or anything like that. No, no financial needs to become a member of the program. And there's beautiful ties into the third tradition. If you're not familiar with the third tradition, I highly recommend going back and checking out episode 15 of the Queen and Filthy podcast where we discuss tradition number three in depth. But I'm going to give you a quick little what is tradition number three. The third tradition says that the only requirement for membership is the desire to stop using. So that means to become a member of this program, you need to have the desire to stop using. That doesn't mean that you have to be clean when you go to your first meeting. We hope that after your first meeting, you will be, but that doesn't mean that you have to be. That doesn't mean that everyone who comes into the program will stay clean or will stay in the program. All it means is that you simply have the desire to stop using and nothing else matters. Nothing else, just the desire to stop using. It says in the literature, anyone may join us regardless of age race, sexual identity, creed, religion, or lack of religion. Anyone is welcome if you have the desire to stop using. Doesn't require a resume, doesn't require you to be this race or of this culture or of this gender. None of that matters at all. All that matters is the desire to stop using. And when we have this variety of membership, Within our program, this variety of backgrounds, of cultures, of religions, of genders, of sexual identity, to all of these aspects, we have to talk about how important unity is 
And that's why having a unified message is vital for the growth within the fellowship. We've talked about unity a lot. Because having a unified purpose, just like we have a unified cause within the program, all of us are unified, recovering from the disease of addiction. We also need to have a unified message. We talk about before the primary purpose. The primary purpose is to carry the message. And what is the message? Is that an addict, any addict, can stop using, lose the desire to use, and find a new way to live. So whatever our backgrounds are, if we have that as our message, it translates to any religion, it translates to any gender, to any cultural background, to any race. If that is being kept as the primary purpose, we are unified, especially when we're in our meetings. You know, in our meetings, our where most of the program is experienced on a a topical level, if you will. It says in the literature that a meeting happens when two or more addicts gather to help each other stay clean. So technically, anytime that I am hanging out with another member of this program, we're having a meeting. If we're talking about recovery, we're having a meeting at the most basic sense. But most people think of meetings as larger groups, like a home group, where people go to meetings and, you know, everybody gathers together and we share our experience, strength, and hope. And then, you know, we hang out afterwards and go to Oregano's, not an endorsement of Oregano's, but their their cookie pizza thing is fucking fire. And we go there and we mob out with 25 deep and take over the patio and have fun. But our meetings are are the the place that most people are first introduced to the program, which is why having a unified message and not carrying the mess is very important. As we talked about before, having a unified message is attractive. It's about attraction, not promotion. says in our literature that our meetings have an atmosphere of empathy, In accordance with the principles of recovery, we try not to judge, stereotype, or moralize with each other. We want our place of recovery to be a safe place. And this is why it says that we are not under surveillance from law enforcement. We are not directly related to any outside enterprises. We don't require any background checks for membership to the program so that we all have a place to freely and safely share our experience, strength, and hope during our recovering from the disease of addiction. You know, we can share safely amongst our peers and our equals, and we can feel that sense of identification and belonging. And when we can feel that sense of identification and belonging, it helps that hope grow. It helps that hope develop and blossom into realization and belief. And this is where we've learned from the program to share what we have learned. The the meetings occur so that addicts with more time can share their experience, strength, and hope for what has worked for them to the newcomer. It's why we say that the newcomer is the most important person in the room. Because when a newcomer comes into a meeting, and a newcomer, as we talked about before, is anybody with 29 days less or less clean. 
So 29 days or less clean is a newcomer. And somebody that's never had any experience with the 12-step recovery program walks into a room and they don't know what spiritual principles are. They don't know what experience, strength, and hope are. They don't know what steps are, what a sponsor is, how to be of service. So it's on the addicts with more experience, strength, and hope to share that because we can only keep what we have by giving it away. That part. It says that everywhere in the literature, everywhere in the literature, it says we can only keep what we have by giving it away. And that is the, the fact. Because if, if all of us who have experience don't give that experience, strength, and hope to the newcomer, what the fuck's the newcomer going to get? The only reason I have any knowledge about this program is because of my predecessors, the people in this program before me who have experienced, have developed strength and developed hope within from other members to then pass it down to me. It's the ultimate hand-me-down system in the most beautiful way because each level that that, that that experience, strength, and hope is handed down to the next member, that member is then able to add their own personal experience, strength, and hope to what they've gathered to then help share to the next person to continue that process down. And that's why the newcomer is the most vital because without the newcomer, there wouldn't be a program. At some point, the program would cease to exist as the last member who's no longer sharing experience, strength, and hope with anybody because there's no newcomer there, that the, the program's going to end. But as long as we can continue carrying that to the newcomer, as long as we can be out here talking about recovery and how beautiful the life of recovery truly is, the more that we have the opportunity to help somebody become a newcomer, to help somebody become that person with zero days walking into a meeting, terrified, confused, scared, and maybe hear that message, that life-saving message that they can do it too. So that then, a couple years later, they can be doing the same thing. And it continues and it continues, which is one of the greatest honors that I've had being in recovery is being able to help carry that message, to be able to help shine light on recovery because for me, shit, recovery is everything, man. I, I just, I love it. I love it so much. But we have, you know, we've talked about how big meetings are and how important meetings are. But we also have to mention that meetings are not recovery. Meetings are not the 12-step program. They are a part of it. They are definitely a part of it. Going to meetings is a very important part of the program. But it's not the program. It's so much more than that. It's being of service. It's doing step work. It's having a sponsor. It's sponsoring people. It's all of the other elements that go on within our life. That's how we truly work the program. If I simply went to meetings, I might stay clean, but I would not be getting the full benefit in my opinion of the program. The program has so many more elements to it than simply going to meetings. And I'm not here to say that somebody out there who just goes to meetings, that they're less of a recovering addict. I'm never going to say something like that because that maybe is what works for them. But for me personally, for this addict, for Matthew M, 
I need more than meetings. I need to be of service. I need to have a sponsor. I need to be working steps and traditions. I need to have a home group that helps keep me accountable when I haven't been doing, uh, you know, as many meetings. I need to have those connections and those friendships, as we talked about earlier with the definition. I need those things. For some people, maybe that isn't what they personally need. But for this addict, that's what I need. So recovery is so much more than just going to meetings for somebody like me. Because if I'm only going to meetings, I'm not doing the developmental work within the steps. I'm not learning how to be of service more. I'm not learning how to be as non-judgmental more. If I'm simply going to meetings and I'm not reading the literature and I'm not doing step work and I'm not being of service, I'm not learning how to become a better person. Maybe a little bit, but definitely not as much as from working the steps and from working the traditions and from being of service and participating in area service, regional service. Again, this is just one addict's experience, strength, and hope. I'm not telling anybody out there how they should or shouldn't recover, but all I can do is share my experience, strength, and hope with it. So I want to close up with this quote. I, I really like this quote because it's I feel it to my, to my core. It says, our program is a way of life. Living the program gives us a relationship with a power greater than ourselves, corrects defects, and leads us to help others. The program works a miracle in our lives. We become different people. Working the steps and maintaining abstinence gives us a daily reprieve from our self-imposed life sentences. We become free to live. And we talk about that. We talked about that last week, that for addicts, we have three options. Jails, institutions, and death. That is a life sentence. We are in recovery. We work this program of recovery to get one more day free from that self-imprisonment. We get one more day free from active addiction. And those one day at a time, just for today, develops new skills, new habits, new self-confidence, new spiritual principles to push out those defects, new life skills, new responsibilities, and new abilities to not just become a better person, but to leave the world a better place. And for an addict like me, that's given my life purpose. That's given my life a feeling of belonging and a feeling that I can truly help make the world a better place one day at a time. So that's what we got for chapter two. Give you a little bit more background about the program. I tried to keep it as non-specific as I could. Um, but again, I can only share experience, strength, and hope about my own personal recovery within my own personal involvement and membership in one specific fellowship. So trying to juggle the traditions and not endorsing one specific fellowship while trying to give a full description about that fellowship is a little difficult. That part. But I think we did a decent job, yeah? That part, that part, that part, that part. All right, thank you, Schoolboy Q, for co-signing my question. I appreciate it. Shout out to TDE. All right. So that's what we have for our first segment 
of recovery and development. It is time to take off the lab coats. It's time to take off the goggles, clean out them them test tubes and beakers, and we're going to get into our next segment of the week. But of course, come back next week for episode 27, where we're going to be talking about the next chapter and uh, giving more insight as to how that develops and why it's so important. So that's what we have. See y'all next week in the lab. We are out of the lab now. All right, y'all. It is time for our next segment of the week entitled My Favorite Moment of the Week. Now, this is the part of the show where we talk about something that has happened over the last seven days since our last airing date. This could be something from pop culture, from news, sports, media, social media, the world of Marvel, maybe even TikTok. I'm never going to be on TikTok. I'll be on Pornhub before I'm on TikTok. That part. So... This is just a, a part of the show where we get to talk about whatever happened. But of course, me being the non-committal type of person that I am, I couldn't just pick one moment. Fuck out of here. I got to talk about everything because that's just what I do. So this is the part of the show. We aren't talking about experience, strength, and hope. This isn't recovery-based. This is just one addict's perspective over the events of the last week. We are still not sponsored by Bang, but we're going to do another Bang ad read here. Hello, listeners of the Queen and Filthy podcast. Do you find it difficult to make it through a day of the tedious grind that is humanity and life? Do you just despise existence at times? Well, do I have a solution for you? Introducing Bang Energy with 300 milligrams of caffeine, EAA aminos, super creatine, and ultra CoQ10. Revitalize your mundane existence. Get rid of your existential dread. With copious amounts of bang, get bang deep today. Bang Energy does not co-sign any of what was just stated, but please, bang, sponsor me in the future. All right. I'm, I'm trying to give variety to my ad reads here. I know they're ridiculous, but when, I st- when, when, when my background is nothing but cases and cases of bangs, it's all going to pay off. That part. All right, y'all. So let's get in. Let's get a little sip of the bang. I got to make sure the pinky's up when you drink that bang. Woo. That's, that's that bougie bang right there. Woo. All right. What happened in the last week? First off, one of my favorite moments of the week is not having COVID. As we discussed last week, I was in isolation because of potential contact, whatever, whatever. But neither myself nor my son have COVID. Also, favorite moment of the week is having air conditioning today. So like I said, three negative tests I'm good. My son's good. Hooray for that. Um, Awesome. Also, my air conditioning is back working because on Saturday, my air conditioning went out and it was 95 degrees in my condo. Shout out to my son. Like, real talk, I don't understand how this kid was staying as happy as he was because he was a literal bucket of sweat. He looked like somebody had poured water on his head and it was just leaking down him and he was just chilling. He was just playing, running around, just just fine. I don't understand it. I was he was doing way better than I was. I was salty as fuck. So shout out to him. Um, also shout out to sleep because and I will again give a shout out to all single parents out there because my goodness, twelve straight days of not having good sleep. It's it's a it's it's a problem for an addict like me. So I got some really nice sleep last night. So I am refreshed and feeling good. 
Also got to do the weekly fitness update. Even though I have not been of fitness for the last two weeks, that is going to be changing tomorrow. We are going to be starting our all core and cardio month of August, 11 days late, but we're going to be starting it. I'm not sure how long we're going to continue it, but we're going to be starting it tomorrow. Also showing what happens when you don't work out for two weeks. I'm down to 212 pounds or 212.8. So I'm sure a lot of that's just muscle loss because I've been eating like a trash panda. Moderate trash panda. Not horrible trash panda, but moderate trash panda. So also have to mention something we talked about last week of being back on the sticks on an Xbox One. I was talking about how I was just going to destroy my cousin's kill-death ratio. Nah, son, I upped that motherfucker. Apparently, when it comes to, to Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War, whatever the most recent one is, I'm kind of a savage on it. Like, apparently my Call of Duty skill completely depends on which game I'm playing. Because when I was playing Modern Warfare, I was kind of trash. But I got up on Black Cold War, and oh my goodness... I increased this kill-death ratio. I had two games of 4.0. I went like 40 and 10. I constantly was having a consistent kill-death ratio of like 1.75 to 2. I won a free-for-all. Like, low-key, I might have to buy an Xbox. I'm just saying. Like, as soon as I had that 4.0 game all in my mind, I'm like, I could be a Twitch streamer. I could do it. I could do it. People will watch me play video games. Again, I had those grandiose thought processes sometimes same thing when i went and hit golf balls at the golf range and i i felt good about it and i was like i'm gonna be a fucking pro card carrying member of the pga like next week there's still defects in here y'all it's not an overnight thing they still come back sometimes i digress the only gotta give a shout out real quick for the olympics so they're done they wrapped up i watched all of one event live and that was the u.s men's basketball team winning gold they beat the French, re, uh, had a little bit of a revenge game because they lost to them, opening game. They beat them 87-82. Shout out to KD. Because not only did dude just sign a $198 million contract to stay in Brooklyn, but he scored 29 points, nearly matching the 30 that he has dropped in the last two gold medal games. Um, him and Melo, Carmelo Anthony, are now the only Two male NBA players with three Olympic gold medals. Shout out to him. Also great bench input from Jason Tatum. And it is the fourth straight Olympic gold for the men's basketball team. Hooray. And this was definitely the most adversity that the team had had since 2004 when the U.S. team took bronze. That was pretty much the, the, the rock bottom for hopefully for U.S. men's basketball. And congratulations to Greg Popovich. I can't stand him, but he's an incredible coach. And he made a nice transition from Coach K. So shout out to him. But this, this win, winning the gold medal, just felt so different than previous gold medal games. And maybe it was partly me just not being that into the Olympics this year. Maybe it was just how crazy the, the schedules have been because of the COVID and all that. I don't know. Could have been the condensed season. Could be possibly that the rest of the world is catching up to our skill level because it didn't feel like previous gold medal games. And I'm not even saying like the dream team gold medal games because that was just a clinic. Like that was nonstop clinic of basketball. But even in more recent years, it felt much more like, oh, yeah, I, I mean, obviously U.S. is going to win this. Like, obviously. And this year was like, eh, are they? Let's hope they do. Are they going to? Eh, I don't know. Are they? 
I, I don't really know what it was, but they definitely didn't have that feeling of dominance like in the past. In the past, it felt like a damn all-star game. You know, just an all-star game of they can score at will, on random, whatever. And this year, definitely didn't feel that much. But shout out for another gold, because guess what? A gold medal is still a gold medal. That part. Next up, we got to talk about the U.S. women's basketball team winning gold. Seventh straight gold medal. Literally, the Mercury players alone on that team probably could have just won the game, period. Shout out to Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird. Both of them got their fifth gold medal. And low-key, like UConn players, shout out to Gino Ariema because the UConn college program is so far and above any of the other women's college basketball programs. Shout out to them. I don't know what they do. I don't know if they're just like pumping super soldier serum in these motherfuckers or what, but like the UConn women are just on another level when it comes to professional basketball, period. Also got to give a shout out to Allison Felix, officially becoming the most decorated track and field star in history for the U.S. 11 medals, passes Carl Lewis. That's incredible. Considering the fact this was in her fifth Olympics. Same thing with Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird. The fact that you're in five Olympics, that's 20 years of time. So in 20 years of time, you are still one of the top athletes in your respective sport? That's, that's fucking nuts. Like, think about that. Think about all of my listeners and viewers out there, okay? Think about something you're really good at right now. Now, imagine being 20 years older and doing that thing. Are you really going to be one of the best in the world? I can think of a few things I do pretty damn well. Am I still going to be doing them that well 20 years from now? Probably not. Maybe. Maybe I will be the Allison Felix of whatever it is that I was thinking in my mind. Maybe I won't. <laughs> but the thought process of that, I mean, it's just, that's just nuts. To be that elite of an athlete, to be that elite in any realm athletic or not, is impressive. But then to do it from an athletic perspective at the ultimate pinnacle of sporting? Crazy, crazy. Gotta give a rest in peace shout out to Bobby Bowden. He was a massive coach of NCAA football, Florida State specifically. He died from pancreatic cancer at age 91. Um, I have a lot of extended family in the northern Florida, southern Georgia area. And so growing up, Florida State was always something that we, you know, when we would be playing football for our Thanksgiving football, we'd be talking about being Warwick Dunn or, you know, something like that. So it was, it, it, it's sad to see him pass away because he was an amazing coach. Um, also, we're going a lot of sports in a row here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, you know, it's, it's me. So you know there's going to be sports. So we have to talk about the TBT. It's the basketball tournament. It's this tournament that's been going on since 2014. It's a 64-team single elimination tournament that's broadcast on ESPN. With this year, the winner of the tournament, the team that wins it, gets a million dollars. And oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my gosh. The winning shot. Shout out to Kiefer Sykes for hitting 
a buzzer-beating, game-winning three-pointer. And this wasn't like a, oh, the game's tied, and I just launched up a prayer and it won. No, they were down by two. Homie had to hit this three to win. So the Boheim Army wins the entire tournament. That was literally a million-dollar shot. Like, not some bullshit, ha, 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 yeah, whatever. No, that was a million-dollar shot that dude made. And he then parlayed that into a nice 10-day contract with the Pacers. So shout out Kiefer Sykes. We got to go into a little bit of TV here. We have to talk about episode number seven of Rick and Morty. It was called Gotron, Jerry Sis, Rick Vangelian. It was incredible. If you are not familiar with the Goodfellas, with the movie Goodfellas or Scarface or The Godfather or any of the other wonderful mob-style gangster movies out there, it will not be as impressive as it was to me, to you. It won't be as impressive to you as it was to me. But if you do, if you are a fan of that genre, as we kind of discussed last week, my favorite moment of the week, but if you are a fan, oh, you will love that fucking episode. There was nods to pretty much every major gangster flick in existence. Plus, there was an awesome tie-in Easter egg nod to the show Community, which Dan Harmon was a part of as well. And they and Community had done a Goodfellas-style episode that carried over into this. It was beautiful. Um, Got to give a shout-out as well. I'm very excited and hoping with very high hopes that Kanye drops Donda in the next week. He's been literally, he did a couple listening parties in Atlanta and in Vegas, and then now is living inside of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Um, he's been doing live streaming with no sound, so nobody could hear it. Um, then he did another listening party where he was pulled up by wires on his chest, literally looked like he was being sucked into a UFO till he was like 50, 60 feet in the air. Very pseudo-religious style, whatever. But everybody's saying it's going to be classic Kanye, so I'm still here for it. I'm still here for it. It might be the end of me being here for Kanye's releases, but I'm still here for it. We have to talk about the most recent episode of Dave. Episode number nine was everything. If it weren't for the beautiful Chuck episode with Benny Blanco, this would have been the best episode of the season, point blank, period. And my goodness gracious, I want to pant pet anteaters so badly. Like anybody out there has the plug on pet anteaters, but like the pretty ones, like the one that was in that episode, I don't want them ugly joints. Like I want a little smaller one that looks fuzzy and furry that I could hold and cuddle. Holla at your boy. I, I think I need a pet anteater. And it was so full of nightmare fuel. If you don't watch Dave, whether you like hip-hop or not, which if you don't like hip-hop, sorry, I'm probably going to lose a lot of y'all in about a second here. But whether you like hip-hop or not, it is such a well-written show. It's, just, it's a well-written show that just so happens to do with hip-hop. It's kind of like the show The League, at least for the first few seasons. That was a very well-written show that just so happened to do with fantasy football. And I knew plenty of people who couldn't give a shit less about fantasy football, but still like, were super vibing with that show. Same thing with Dave. Whether you like hip-hop or not, whether you're going to understand all of the elements of it as or not, or when Sway Lee comes out or, or Doja Cat comes out, you might not understand who those people are or care. But the show in general is so well done. 
and the writing is so well done. Check it out. That's all I'm going to say about that. that I, I should be doing, fuck doing bang commercials. They should be hiring me. FX should hire me to do promos for Dave. Like, real shit. If, if Real talk. If anybody from FX is listening out there, holler at your boy. All I need is just like a couple product placements. Maybe have Dave listening to the Queen and Filthy podcast in an episode. I will shout y'all out. Shit. I will put a, a, an emblem of Dave back here on my my background. I don't even need to do the Queen of Filthy podcast background anymore. It's good. Everything sponsored by Dave. Shout out to y'all. Dude, let's, let's, let's do that. Have my people call your people. And when I say my people, I mean me. All right, cool. But my favorite moment of the weekend. Woo! This was, this was fun. So, again, I'm sorry. If you don't care about hip-hop, I'm going to lose some people here. I accept that. But if you do care about hip-hop, something beautiful happened on August 3rd. And I am talking about the versus battle between the locks and Dipset, the diplomats. So what is versus? Versus was the product, the idea that originally came up during the COVID lockdown. Actually, the idea was started back in 2017 by by Timbaland and Swiss Beats, who are two massively successful, major, all-time great producers within hip-hop and pop and R&B, dance music even. like they, they, they are a part of a lot of different genres. If you don't know who Timbaland is, I'd be surprised. If you've ever listened to any song by Aaliyah, Missy Elliott, Jay-Z, Beyonce, and about a billion other people, you've heard Timbaland. If you don't know who Swizz Beats is, I would be surprised. He's married to Alicia Keys. So if you've ever heard songs by Alicia Keys, DMX, Jay-Z, anybody, you've heard a Swizz Beats song. So at first was the idea that they were going to do this back and forth. Each one of them would play a song, whatever, whatever. It turned into, just by back and forth bragging on Instagram, they did the first versus match between Timbaland and Swizz Beats, going song for song, back in March of 2020 on IG. Well, then it developed into a web series with actual rules where you would have two 10-song rounds with no declared winner but simply bragging rights, even though now technically Billboard.com does do a winner judging of each round. And it developed and grew and grew. And first it was all just being done through Instagram Live. And then it developed into, okay, we're going to have both people at the stage. But then the, the first the sound was shitty and the video quality was shitty and they decided to get sponsored well they didn't decide roland the very very prominent audio video company sponsored them and literally said you can only do versus if you're using roland equipment so they were able to do that and develop develop more and then they sold to triller they sold the versus product to triller who is the parent company of tiktok which is pretty fucking crazy that two dudes who simply were wanting to have a battle to talk about bragging rights were able to sell their product in the middle of a pandemic to triller and even though triller has some issues right now because of that very poorly put together botched social media boxing card whatever it's still pretty impressive so on august 3rd at Madison Square Garden, in the mecca of hip-hop. Two of my favorite groups in hip-hop history went at it. And we had Michael Buffer there announcing it like it was a prize fight. And we had the locks, and we had Dipside. Well, who are the locks, you ask? Well, let me tell you. The locks are comprised of Jadakiss, 
Styles P, and Sheik Luch. They were originally signed to Bad Boy Records. They were, came together in 1994 from Yonkers, New York. They were signed to Bad Boy. They then were signed to Rough Riders. And all three of them, whew, they have fire. Listen to their verses on the Puff Daddy and the Family song, All About the Benjamins. Also, side note, Jada Kiss wrote, Jada Kiss and Notorious B.I.G. wrote pretty much all of Puffy's verses for that album. They're lyrical greats. Their debut album, Money, Power, Respect, won certified platinum. And over the last 22 years of the career, they've only released four projects as a group. Because each one of them has their own solo grind. Each one of them has developed from their initial group setting into being solo artists. And with the exception of Sheik Luch, who never really got to complete commercial success like Styles and Kiss did, he's still with producing underground loved albums. All of the so, but Jada Kiss and Styles P have had number one style songs, have won Grammys for their songs. All right, all three of them are lyrical powerhouses. Well, who's Dipset, commonly known as the Diplomats, formed in '97 out of Harlem? We got Cameron, we got Jim Jones, we got Freaky Zeke, and we got Jewel's Santana. First album was released in 2003. Diplomatic immuni- Immunity, certified gold. One of my favorite albums of all time. Literally. I'm, I'm going to go listen to it after this. One of my favorite albums of all time. And it was a different vibe for the Diplomats. Because with the Locks, they came in as a group. And then each one of them did their solo thing. But Dipset, they essentially came out because of Cameron being signed to Rockefeller Records. And therefore, he got put on. He's like, well, yo, put my homies on. Let's do this group. And so it's interesting that they both had completely different ways of, of gaining public knowledge, gaining public preference, if you will. One came up from a group perspective and splintered. One came up solo and collected, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, because Cameron was already an established artist. And then Joel Santana and Jim Jones ended up both establishing massive solo careers relatively not we're not talking jay-z level massive but respectably and i'll say freaky Zeke, he's a part of the group but man he's just a hype man that's all he is and that's cool do your thing freaky that's cool but he's just a hype man and they were really only a group till like 2007 and then egos and record contracts and people's contracts being bought out and people feeling some kind of way about some kind of thing and getting in beefs they essentially broke up in like 2007. So they were only really together releasing music for about five years when you include the mixtapes and all that stuff. So going into the battle, obviously all three of the locks are far better lyricists than anybody within Dipset. And I'm not saying that Cameron doesn't have some hot bars here and then. I'm not saying Jewels doesn't put together some bangers. I'm not saying that Jim Jones, he's actually had some pretty good, some pretty good verses. But song after song, the locks are just better in terms of lyrics. That's just what it is. But I'm a dipset dude. In the 2000s, y'all, my car license plate said dipset, dipset, dipset. I had matching bandanas for every one of my outfits like I was Jewel's. I used to rock mad pink 
throwback jerseys like I was Cameron. Like, early 2000s hip-hop was my favorite time of hip-hop. So, I always felt Dipset had better songs than The Locks did, collectively. Yes, The Locks would have better lyrics, but for true bangers, let's go type of things, I was like, I'm riding for Dip, let's do it. And I'm here to say that Dipset took the L, like massive L. The Locks absolutely destroyed him. First off, before we even go anywhere, it looked like Dipset hasn't rehearsed as a group in years. It literally looked like there were just four random dudes kind of meandering around the stage, not knowing who was going to hop in on what part of the song, who was doing the ad-libs, who was actually putting the words to the verse. If you look at the beginning of it, and I will say it progressed, it got a lot better, toward, Dipset looked a lot better towards the end. But in the beginning, oh, it was, it was almost sad to watch. Like, they literally were just like, eh? Where the locks came out like a well-oiled machine. Everybody knew what they were supposed to be saying, when they were supposed to be saying it, let's go. So from the jump, things are already looking a little shaky. Then, one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to rappers performing. Dipset were rapping over their full songs. So in other words, their entire song with all of the lyrics were being played over the speakers and they were screaming into the microphone lyrics over the top of that. I fucking hate that shit. Whereas the locks were rapping over instrumentals of the songs on about 85% of the songs. To me, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Like, I hate when rappers are performing at a concert and they're essentially just fucking karaokeing their own shit with the lyrics in the background. Like, that's, I can do that in my car. I can put on a song and I can rap the lyrics the exact same. Why am I paying to see a fucking person perform? I want to have the instrumental go and now you perform, period. I don't want there to be words in the background because for one thing, it shows when you're off time. It shows when you fuck up a lyric, which Dipset constantly did, and the locks did not. And I'll admit, when Jada said from the beginning, this fight is fixed, he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. And it felt like like Dipset really didn't show up for the first hour. And I know part of that is because Cameron showed up 30 minutes late, then almost didn't perform because he was trying to get into Madison Square Garden with like 50 deep in his entourage. And they're like, nah, bro. So he was planning on leaving. He wasn't even going to be at the verses. But he heard Michael Buffer announcing the diplomats and decided to stay. But even then, he didn't really look like he wanted to be there for the first 45 minutes. Jim Jones looked like he was just so fucking high that he had to let his brain stop being cloudy after about 45 minutes. Jewels looked like he was still trying to figure out what other random shit to put onto his outfit that looked like it was about eight different outfits for the first 30 minutes of that fucking battle. And Freaky Zeke was just doing what Freaky Zeke does. Bless him. Great hype man. Just, just Freaky Zeke in it. But the locks came out swinging. There was no warm-up. There was no buildup. It was from the jump, let's fucking go. And they went. Oh, they went firing on all cylinders from the jump. And I will say that towards the end, Dipset definitely did come back. And it became a much closer type of back and forth, if you will. I will say that. 
But for the first 45 minutes of the two-hour set, it was it was so lacking. And even J- Jadakiss even said at one point, he's like, yeah, all right, y'all got a couple songs, but now it's 25 to 2. We're just, the fight is fixed. It's over. And I will say that is true. Like, towards the end when Dipset started to come up, that was awesome. But at this point, it was the, the fight was already over. It was done. Like, the locks had already won it. I will say, though, the best moment from either one of them, either group, was Dipset Anthem. When they didn't, the diplomats didn't rap over their words. They just went off the top, how it's supposed to be done, with power, passion. The whole crowd was vibing. That was the best moment. I literally just got goosebumps thinking about it again. That was the best moment. So even though the the locks definitely won it, the person who really won it was me. I fucking won it. Because this was all the best vibes of 2000s hip-hop. It was everybody talking shit on each other, snapping on each other. And they ended up saying at the end that they had said they wanted to do that. They wanted to go at each other. It's kind of like the the rap group Slaughterhouse. The point of Slaughterhouse is for each one of them to show their dominance. And this is exactly what went on at this versus. People talking shit about what each other was wearing. One point, fucking Jewel's got his bandana snatched. Cameron kick Styles P like it was it, if if you didn't know that they were all homies you'd be like man these motherfuckers about to start shooting like what what is this but it was all for love and being able to 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 feel that excitement again and see that love for the musical art form that I've loved since I was 10 11 12 years old and to be able to relive that amazing time of it was beautiful and for all of the soundcloud mumble rap bullshit ass trash music that comes out and is shoved down our throats every day being able to see what in my mind was some of the best times of hip-hop was beautiful and also got to give a shout out to jada kiss because not only was he obviously the star of the show but he parlayed that into having five of his songs now in the top listen songs on apple music so that was my favorite moment of the week. If you don't care about New York hip-hop from the early, mid-90s to mid-2000s, I'm sorry. But guess what? This is my favorite moment of the week. Not Charles, mine. So hopefully somebody out there watched the versus battle. Let me know what you thought. You can't tell me that Dip- the, the, the Dipset won. I'm sorry. As much as I love Dipset, they didn't win. It's a fact. The locks smashed them. But regardless, it was a great night, even with all the random fuckery that occurred and people not getting off the stage and people being late and all that shit. It was still a really beautiful, awesome performance that I was very hyped to, to see. And um, they're supposedly all going on tour together. And I probably will find myself at that concert, probably in a matching diplomats velour sweatsuit with a matching pink bandana. I will put up pictures. Yes. So that's what we have for my favorite moment of the week. Come back next week. We'll be talking about more things from the world that happened over the last week. So if you have anything exciting, any good memes, any good TikToks, send them over to any of my social media accounts. Again, you can get to all of them from the website, www.cleanandfilthypodcast.com and get all of them there. So we'll be back next week. But now it is time for our next segment of the show. 
It's time to ask an addict with your host, Matthew M. That's right, y'all. It is time for our third segment of the show entitled Ask an Addict. This is the part of the show where we answer questions submitted by our listeners and our viewers. And this resident addict, the resident addict of the Queen of Filthy podcast, gives his opinions. There's a little bit of experience, strength, and hope in here, but it's a lot of just my personal opinion. So if you have any questions that you're curious about, whether they're about recovery or not, this is like a Reddit AMA. Ask me anything. I love answering questions. So if you have any questions that you would like my opinion on, my perspective on, my two cents on, or because I talk so fucking much, it's probably more like 22 cents, please hit me up. I would be more than happy to answer those things. Best way to do that is by going again to the website or through any social media or email me, Matthew at cleanandfilthypodcast.com. So what is the first question that we have? First question we have, whew, we get, we, we've had a little break from Marvel, y'all, but it's starting to creep back. First question says, of the announced Disney plus Marvel shows, what am I most excited about? So let's look at what shows have been announced. And these aren't just shows that are like in production. These are shows that have been announced at the last, uh, Kevin Feige mentioned these. And they are Marvel What If, Miss Marvel, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Secret Invasion, Armor Wars, Ironheart, I Am Groot, and the Guardians of the Galaxy Hollywood special. So those are the ones we're looking at. First off, I have to say, in my top, these are my top three. Because, of course, I can't just say what my favorite one is. Why would I ever answer somebody's question directly? I can't do that. That's not in my fucking nature. I'm going to give you all my options. Because why the fuck not? So, number three on this list is a very interesting one for me. Because it's She-Hulk. And even though I don't care about this character at all. And I'm not even really a big fan of the Hulk or the Red Hulk or the Abomination or any of the, the, that whole part of Marvel. The fact that She-Hulk is going to be played by Tatiana Mas- Maslany. Maslany? Maslany? I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I've tried. But the old girl from Orphan Black, y'all? She alone has me hype as fuck about this show. If you've never watched Orphan Black, watch it. She is absolutely incredible in that show. And having her acting ability brought to this character, it makes me very excited to actually like this character and actually care about this character. Plus, we're going to have at least a cameo by Mark Ruffalo back as Bruce Banner and Tim Roth as Abomination not only was he in the Shang-Chi and the Ten, Cir- and the Ten Circles tra- uh, trailer, he's also going to be in this show. So I'm excited about that. Next up, I am, we're talking about Don Cheadle a lot these days, but I am very excited for Armor Wars. It's going to be starring Don Cheadle as War Machine. And I feel just from the, what I've heard about it that it's going to be quite similar to The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which has been my favorite Disney Plus show as of yet. So I'm very excited about that. But the one I'm most excited about, and this is going to be surprising to some, I'm sure they probably figured it was going to be I Am Group, which I am excited about that, but whatever. I don't know enough about it. But the one I'm most excited about is Hawkeye. And I know people are out there like, what? Who the, who the fuck gives a fuck about a Hawkeye? What the, what the fuck's a Hawkeye? The motherfucker that shoots arrows? What? The, what? 
Okay. Calm down. Take a breath. Here's the reasoning. I personally have always loved Jeremy Renner as an actor. And I personally have always really liked Hawkeye as a character. Even though he's often the most forgotten, least cared about, most shit on Avenger. Because he doesn't have superheroes' powers. He doesn't have some special suit that has pulsers, cannons in it. He doesn't have super, super soldier serum. He doesn't have gamma radiation poisoning. He's not a fucking god. He's a dude. He's a dude who's really good at what he does. And we talked about this before in my, my review of Black Widow movie. I vibe with that. I vibe with that where I'm just a dude. He's a dude who's really good at shooting arrows. But it's more than that. Because I'm really hopeful that this show is going to go into his transition into the character of Ronan, which is what happened at the end of Endgame. A lot of people didn't understand why is Hawkeye, who's always been bow and arrow type shit, now running around with a different haircut and a samurai sword. It's because he was Ronan, which is a huge moment and one of my favorite things within the comic book history of this character. So that's why I am most excited for Hawkeye. Also, because of the knowledge that we're going to have more of Florence Pugh as Yelena Belova, thanks to the awesome end credit scene of Black Widow. That's why I'm most excited for Hawkeye. Also, it's coming out later on in this year, so I don't have to wait till like 2023, which is probably when I Am Groot's going to drop. So I, that's, that's why. That is my absolute, that's my top pick. Let me know what your guys' top pick is. Of those announced, what are you most excited about for the Disney Plus MCU shows? All right, next question. It says, when are you planning on adding guests to this podcast? So this is something we've talked about before, about being able to have people on this show as co-hosts or, or guests to be interviewed within how I've already set up the, the basis of this podcast. And the element of having a live stream it makes it a little bit more challenging. But I will say that after I finish going through these chapters of the literature, we are going to start bringing on guests and doing some interviews as well. So anybody who's out there who's sick of seeing just me and Groot for 26 straight episodes, don't worry. You will be getting a reprieve and have at least somebody else to look at as well. But... There's a lot of elements that go into that. There's a lot of elements of how to properly stream it. If I'm not streaming it, how to have edit or recorded it from somebody who's in another state, edited it, sound mastered it, turned it into a video file to play during the live stream. There's a lot of things that are being experimented with, thought of, hypothesized around and progressing from there. So, it is in works. I'm saying that. And it should be within the next month is the thought process. And I'm not saying that it will then mean every episode is going to be within, you know, going to have an interview on it. I'm not going to say every episode is going to have a co-host, but things are expanding beyond the steps, the traditions and the literature as we go further. So stay tuned and you will get more information. Woo. All right. Next question. <laughs> I love this question. Question says, how are you always so happy? It's really fucking annoying. Verbatim. That is verbatim for the question. And this is a funny thing because I've heard this a lot. I've actually heard this exact statement 
from multiple people in recovery over the last three and a half years. And there's a lot of elements to it. You know, one of them is perspective, which we'll talk a little bit more. But another one is the fact that today, just for today, I choose to be happy. And I'm not saying that, you know, if you're not happy, it's because you're not choosing to be happy. I'm not saying that. But for me personally, my personal experience, strength, and hope within this question is that I choose to be happy. I choose to find the positive in things that maybe there isn't positives in. I've talked about this before when my car got impounded and I had to walk like four miles in the middle of December in a suit and nothing seemed positive about that. But in that moment, rather than bitching about it, I said, wow, I'm so happy that I didn't get arrested because I had dope in my car. I'm so happy that I didn't get arrested because I had warrants. So I was able to find a little element of positive. And sometimes I can do that to, to detrimental uh, elements, to, to, to detrimental levels. I can find the positive in situations that maybe there isn't a single positive, but I will find some way, almost I'll manipulate my brain into thinking that there's a positive. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I should probably talk to my therapist about that. Um, but for me personally, I can find the positive out of something. And I was never able to do that in the past. We've talked about before the, the ability of being able to change my perspective. In the past, I always had bad days and bad days would turn to bad weeks and bad months and bad years and bad lifetimes, especially towards the end of my active addiction. But today, I no longer look at things from the perspective of bad days, good days. I'm looking at it from bad moments. And so even in days that have a lot of bad moments, there's still always that good moment that I'm clean. And if I'm clean and an active member of this program, then it's a good day. And so I'm able to change that, that negativity that, I, that fueled my existence for so long and turn that into a positive. I've now been able to let go of, of looking at things only from a negative perspective and from a fear and a shame and a guilt and a terror and a worry perspective and look at it from a positive. Like, whatever happens today, if I stay clean, that's a positive enough that it was a good day. If I stay clean, I'm making the choice to stay clean. I'm making the choice to make it a good day. I'm making the choice to be happy. And that doesn't always happen. I'm not 1,000% always all good. But when I can take the positive out of a situation, then I'm able to stay positive within that situation. You know, we could look at the last, the, the last 12 days where I was 100% solo, full-time daddy, not getting any sleep, no you know, seconds to myself, whatever. And I could have viewed that as like, oh my God, this is horrible, this is terrible, this is awful. I could have done that. And the old me... The selfish me would have done that. But instead I get to say, God damn, how fucking amazing is it that I get to be here for my son? I get to be a father, full time, no help, nonstop. And I know to some people out there who have always been single parents, they're listening to me right now like, motherfucker, shut the fuck up. But for me personally, that was a huge positive. I got to spend time with my son. I got to be a father. So I'm taking those, those elements. If I look at a situation that has negativity in it or what my brain might perceive as negativity, 
instead of internalizing that and letting that control how I feel, I can grow. I can find the positive in a situation. And for me personally, that's how I stay, that's how I stay happy. That's how I stay happy. If I can constantly recenter my perspective and look at the perspective of things from a glass half full perspective, then I will inherently be happier. And I'm not saying that if that if you're if you're somebody out there listening who doesn't do that, that you're wrong. I'm not saying, you know, you choose to be unhappy. I'm not saying some shit like that. I'm saying for me personally, my experience, strength and hope on it is that I could choose to be miserable in a situation. I could choose to be horribly unhappy. But when I look at where my life is, is it where I want it to be? No. Is it where I thought I would be when I was before active addiction? No. But it's a lot better than what it was. Not comparing it to anybody else, just comparing it to myself. It's a lot better than where it was. And that is a positive. And if I stay in that positive, I stay happy. So, sorry it's annoying to people. I know it can be annoying at times. But I'm just a happy type of dude. So, sorry. That's what we got for this segment of Ask an Addict. Come back next week where we will answer more questions submitted by our listeners and our viewers. If you have any questions that you would like to be answered on air, send them over to your boy. Be more than happy to answer them on air. Already mentioned multiple times how to get to the website, how to get to the social medias. So I'm not going to do it again. Just scroll back about 30 seconds and you'll hear it again. Boop. All right. Well, we are almost out of time, y'all. But you know, we can't close without them clean time shout-outs. This is the part of the show where we celebrate different members who have gained extended amounts of clean time. The universally recognized milestones within 12-step fellowships. Then those are anybody as a newcomer with 29 days or less clean most important people here. Next up, we've got 30 days clean, 60 days clean, 90 days clean, six months clean, nine months clean, one whole year clean, 18 months clean, or multiple years clean, which is two or more. We also like to celebrate big whole numbers because that's a big deal. And I like giving out shout outs. So we celebrate, if you got a big whole number, 100 days, 500 days, 1,000 days, 10,000 days, a million days, uh, whatever. Maybe you live in multiple timelines or some shit. Maybe you're a vampire in recovery. I don't fucking know. But regardless, we like to give out shout outs here. So if you have a clean time celebration coming up between now and next Tuesday at 5 p.m. when we go live, make sure to send it over to me on any social medias so we can give you a shout out here on air. I'm telling you right now, we got a whole list today. So we had to get a nice drink. We got to get another one. And we are ready to go, y'all. All right. First and foremost, we got three newcomers. Three newcomers this week. First up, we got my boy Dustin as a newcomer. Well done. Next up, we got from Twitter, Jason G as a newcomer. Well done. Next up, as a newcomer as well, we've got Brian H, well done. Just stay. And then coming in with 30 days clean, we got Sophie. Yeah, well done. And also with 30 days clean from Twitter, we've got Veronica H. Hell yeah. 
And then with 60 Days Clean, we got my sponsee, Jay. Yeah. And then from Twitter, dude's got a great name. His name's Matthew as well. With 100 Days Clean, we got Matthew. Well done. And then with 100 Days Clean, we've got Lizzie R. Hell yeah. Triple digits. Let's go. Next up with six months clean, we got my sponsee, Brian, with a Y. Hell yeah. And then with nine months clean, we've got Amy. Well done. And then from Twitter, with one year clean, we got Stephen Y. We do them bups for each year. And with one year clean, we've got Myla. And with one year clean, we've got Winston S. Hell yeah. And then with two years clean, another dude with a great name. It's funny, there's so many Matthews in recovery. I have to name people different things. This dude really likes trance music, so he's known as Matt Trance in my phone. So my boy Matt Trance with two years clean. Well done. And then also with two years clean from Vegas, we got my boy Joe. Got to give a shout out to him as well because when the pandemic first started, he was instrumental in keeping my old home group active online. So Joe, shout out to you first. And then also two years. Yeah. And then with four years clean, we got Jason R. Yeah. And then with five years clean, we've got Michelle B. And we're going back to Vegas because with eight years clean, we got Richard H. Reload. All right. And next up, with 11 years clean, we got Anthony S. Well done. And finally, with 13 years clean, we've got Angela. There we go. Well done. Shout out everybody who picked up clean time today. If you didn't pick up clean time today, don't use and you will. Literally, how this shit works. God, I'm so hyped right now. Remember that every single day clean is a successful day. That part. Truly. That part, that part, that part, that part. I'm just saying. Well, y'all, we are just about out of time. We are officially to the end of our show. I want to give a huge thank you to everybody. Again, thank you so much for the downloads. Triple, uh, quadruple digits is, is nuts to me. To an addict like me who three and a half years ago had no life and now being able to do something to help others and being able to touch people's lives and... And it's just, it means everything to me. So I, I really, really appreciate all of the support. I love each and every one of you. If nobody's told you that today, I love you. And I really appreciate you being a part of my life. You know, I always say what I can't do alone, we can do together. And uh, thank you all. So again, huge thank you to our episode sponsor, etc. by Emily. Huge thank you to this amazing song, Anything, by Valentino Khan, Alice in Wonderland. Check out all the information, both of them down below. Thank you all for being here. I'm so excited that we get to continue this journey, and I really hope that everybody comes back next week when we do episode 27. If you heard something you liked today, please make sure to share it anywhere and everywhere. Follow me on all social medias and download from any podcast directory. We will be live next Tuesday, 5 p.m. Love you all.
Just a little, just a little, just a little, just a little. 